When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And they're walking him with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Hello and welcome in everyone to episode 187 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. And yes, we are recording two weeks in a row for the first time in what feels like forever. Joined as always by George. You can follow on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. George, two weeks in a row, buddy. How's it going? It's going pretty good, man. Yeah, I'm just kind of getting over this cold uh, with a combination of some seasonal allergies. So I've been getting my butt kicked the last few days, but uh, feeling good right now. And uh, yeah, glad that we can... uh, get on back-to-back weeks shocker we're trying to be more consistent as the season approaches now that we're need our information is needed more than ever i would assume at least maybe i'm a little biased saying something like that but whatever you get my point we're trying to help out those getting ready to get into draft season or those prepping for draft season because just because we are degenerates and we prep and draft in november and october doesn't mean others are doing the same so we are discussing players going very late in drafts outside the top 500 in picks per the NFBC since January 15th. Today is the 17th of February, so a little over a month of ADP. We're focused on draft champions ADP because that's the leagues that you are using this ADP for. So draft and hold type of formats also this will help. So fan tracks, etc. But before we get started, a few things, you know, we got to plug the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at GTE fantasy. Uh, I'm posting stuff there, content that's not on the podcast or on Twitter. So if you want to check out some YouTube videos, most of which are five minutes or less, a lot of shorts, check that out there. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash GTE fantasy. Very difficult. I know I, I make the same stupid joke every time, but GTE is the place to be. Okay. I, I'm done. That's, that's enough. <laughs> um, Patreon.com. And of course the spring training lineup chart, although the WBC messes with it, I got plenty of write-ups, plenty of plans for spring training coverage this week, this season still, and but this year for the first time ever it's gonna be behind the patreon paywall five bucks a month five bucks a month or five bucks one time will get you access to all that and the write-ups and more 
and that's just from what I'm doing, not to mention Simeone and his uh, streamer stuff, Bubba and, and all his write-ups, you and all your relief pitcher and all, all your write-ups. we got a lot over there. I just wanted to plug because spring training is coming up. My spring training content that people like is going to be behind that paywall. And last but not least, Underdog. Of course, this is brought to you by Underdog. Don't forget, you can use GTE, three letters, first-time deposit match guarantee up to $100. That's use the GTE code today. Sorry if you hear my son in the background. He's home. He's sick. I'm saying sick with air quotes because he is not sick. He's playing with his toys. But um, <laughs> So today we're discussing strategy on players outside the top 500. We're going to discuss prospect strategy and how maybe how many prospects you like to have, if any, um, and some spec saves targets. I know, George, this is going to be all you, and that's your thing. So you can just throw a few names out there you like. If there are any going that late these days, because as ADP rolls around, and as players get into drafting more and news gets out more, a lot of these players jump inside the top 500, especially spec guys that we have, you know, because we have guys like Kendall Graveman who jumped up because of the injuries or sorry, not, it's not an injury to um, Hendricks. It was obviously a cancer diagnosis. So stuff like that, you know, we have guys jumping up ADP earlier than later. Alex, Alex Lang was another guy going outside the top 500 before the trade of Jimenez and uh, Soto. So just for an idea of what to expect there. So we're going to talk some safe specs. If there are any left I even wrote in the notes today, George, this is all you. Um, <laughs> before we get started, let's talk news and notes, shall we? We finally have like all the news and no- all this news rolling in. And this is some of the stuff I thought was pretty interesting. Jacob DeGrom will be reevaluated on Friday after experiencing minor left-sided soreness earlier this week. According to reports, I did see that they mentioned DeGrom would have pitched through this. But if we're talking about a guy dealing with an injury already that's injury prone known and have injury problems last few years a guy that was would have to would have to quote quote pitch through this i'm already turned off and i've already dropped him outside my top 10 because i'm not dealing with this headache i was going to be i was willing to draft him at cost i personally am getting a little more pushed back i was trying but in sh- he's just pitch for pitch the best pitcher in baseball i still believe that but man i can't i can't get behind this with the injury all injury issues already pro- popping up what do you think about jacob Degrom? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, pretty much the same sentiment there. This could very much just be, you know, nothing. Uh, it just could could just be early noise. But you definitely don't like to hear that about someone who you already have like you know plenty of uh, health concerns about. So, uh, yeah, it hasn't been some like I'm curious to see like if this influences his ADP over the next you know week or so. Um, but. Yeah, still, still someone I've been I've been off of, just not willing to take that risk. I think that's what it is. If it's a shallow league, I have no problem taking the risk on a Degrom, just because I know it's easy to replace that type of like. Give me a hundred innings of Degrom if I can get him as a mid to late second rounder. But I think he's crept up into like that early second round in uh, NFBC, probably yeah, or close or does I mean or I think it's at least middle. But it's one of those things where fifteen teamers drafting holds. I'm a fr- it's harder to replace that without a waiver wire without any type of moves so the has right. been a guy that's like i had no degrom but i wasn't oh, i might have one degrom but i think it was a 12 teamer where i could where i knew i could probably replace if replace those innings better replacement value yeah so that's yeah, where it comes 10 team it 10 team 12 team yeah for sure uh 15 team especially like you said these uh uh draft and holds like if you're you're probably looking like at a replacing them with like a middle reliever or something like it's it's just yeah you, you need those innings in in a draft and hold you need you need those safe innings so i it has that's what i've been mostly drafting so far so it's just not someone i've I've taken but yeah i could definitely see it like shallow league for sure and the next piece of news here manny machado confirmed friday that he intends to opt out of his contract the only reason why i brought that up because there there is now a career uh not a career a uh 
He's playing to get. He's playing to get paid. He wants like as a contract season. Contract year, yeah. Contract year was the word I was looking for. I was trying to go <laughs> around, not remembering what it was called for some reason. But I digress. Machado, do you buy into contract years? I feel like we see it, but when we do see it, it's from guys of this type of pedigree, this type of caliber. Machado could go out and have a great year. He's been having great years in San Diego. The team built. It feels like it's very strongly built around him, and this lineup feels pretty strong right now. But a lot of it is name recognition. So we'll see how they actually – we'll see if Carpenter can keep up what he did last year. We'll see if Nelson Cruz can get – his eyes are fixed again or whatever. We'll see if Nelson Cruz can actually <laughs> fix uh, – pick up from last year as well, like maybe come get back closer to what he was. Ultimately, there's a lot of questions here for this roster, but on paper it looks decent, and Machado could be in for a solid year with all the protection around him, et cetera, et cetera. But I guess that was my long-winded way of asking, do you believe in contract years, and do you think Machado will have one? Yeah, I think there's a little something something to that. Um, I, I'm not necessarily sure like how much better he's going to be because he's already been, you know, like a good borderline first first round, you know, uh, good second round player. So, um, like, I think he's just fine where he's going. I, I wouldn't like uh, reach for him or, or you know take him every time I'm like at the first round turn or something. But uh, yeah, I think there's there's a little something to that. I, I just think he's just going to be you know the great player that he's been. So Manny Machado is going to be Manny Machado. You're right. There really is no there really is no um, path necessarily to uh, improving his draft stock, so to speak. It's not like he's going in the third round like the one year he was, I think, after he had the down year in San Diego. Or it was like third or fourth round. Manny Machado was like a great discount that year. I remember that. It was nice. But um, next guy on this list, another guy who's just – he's fantastic. He's great. He's a future Hall of Famer. But he's, he's already dealing with – quote unquote complications. Clayton Kershaw indicated Thursday that there are some complications in him getting cleared to pitch for Team USA. I don't know what to think of that. I don't know if it's complications in terms of physicals. Is it the team just pushing against him getting ready for it or pitching in it? I don't know if it's injury related. I, I don't know. So uh Clayton Kershaw and complications combination scares me. I guess we need more news there. Nothing really. We can't really react to it yet. But I feel like at this point, the injury risk is already baked into the ADP for him because we know yeah. how good Kershaw can be when healthy. Kyle Hendricks' shoulder is expected to begin the season on the 10-day IL. The reason why I bring this up is because there are a bunch of interesting names there. Hayden Wesneski, uh, Justin Steele, they, um, and I think there's another guy, uh, Ben Brown, I really like, but he's kind of behind these guys in terms of um, ETA. All things considered, um, Hendricks obviously will have to work his way back, and they're gonna they're gonna need someone to fill that spot. Keegan Thompson is who they have plugged in over there on roster resource, but again, I mentioned other names that could step in that are on the forty man that could, uh, and they also have Caleb Killian too, another name I forgot. So, um, all things considered, I actually like Wesneski more than Keegan Thompson, so we'll see how that works out. But um, Justin Steele, if anything, is the one who's probably the biggest winner from this, right? He gets and Drew Smiley, they kind of like they're solidified. There is no like, well, maybe this guy works in over this guy type thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm with you. I think Wesneski would be my guy, hope, hoping that he uh, has a good spring and and wins uh, like that fifth starter job there. Yeah, because Wesneski has that type. From what I was looking at with the numbers and stuff, he just feels like that type of guy that's like uh, that that fifth that number five starter for a real life team and for a uh, fantasy team, but uh, a guy who has ace upside, a guy who's expected to uh, be more than just a relief pitcher this year is DL hall. We're talking about absolute stuff upside and uh, he's already dealing with lower back discomfort. He's, he's saying it's nothing too crazy. That's the quote that's pulled from this DL hall. I, I honestly think at the very least he could be an elite relief pitcher, like a Matt brash type from last year. 
So I think that he has value already in terms of ratio potential and strikeout potential out of a bullpen role. But they said that he's going to try to be working as a starter. He's already looks like he's going to be behind a little bit because of the injury and might need time in the minors. What's your interest level in Dio Hall this year? Or are you letting other people kind of draft him? And if he's if you're in a shadow league, someone's that maybe that ends up on your watch list that you pick up as soon as he gets called up. Because I don't think he starts off with the big league this year. Yeah, yeah, I don't think uh, as far as like um, in a in a waiver wire league, um, I'm not sure he gets drafted. So he might just be someone that you keep an eye on and then um, just be ready to like maybe pick up uh, if something develops there. But he hasn't necessarily been on my radar. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not sure. What's what's your interest level? None, <laughs> none yeah. really. I, I like, I've always been a deal hall guy in terms of liking the stuff and the potential and the strikeout stuff is there. And the dude throws gas. He has great breaking balls. He has the stuff to be an, an elite pitcher. He lacks the command and control usually of, yeah. uh, I think it's the fastball specifically too. I remember reading something recently where it's been the fastball command that's been real difficult for him. So if he can, so if Hall can actually get gather up the command and control, the stuff is there. It's not a question. It's just a matter of can he put it all together. So I'm not really too concerned about him long term. At the very least, again, I see a path to being an electric reliever, even a closer type. He's one of those guys that can easily transition into a elite closer with his type of stuff. So we'll see how that turns out. I think there's still value with him in all formats in terms of like future, I should say dynasty formats more so than a redraft. But the last thing I want to talk about is um the Diamondbacks manager Tori Lavolo. Uh, said this week that he's unlikely to open the regular season with a de- uh, designated closer, not a DH. <laughs> the, the, every team has a DH this year um, and last year, but a designated closer. What is your take on that situation? Uh, th- this is probably the situation that I just like, it's the one I, I feel least comfortable about. It's, I, it's just so truly, truly up in the air. And there's just so many names. I mean, you got uh, the newly signed uh, Andrew Chafin, you got Kevin Ginkle, Joe Mantiply, Mark Melanson, uh, Scott M- McGuff uh, that came over from Japan. Um, it, yeah, I mean, there, there's just so many names here. It, it seems like, you know, this is a situation where they typically like to go with one guy. I don't know if, if Melanson gets that first chance. I, I don't know. Um, so M- Mantiply was like their best reliever last year. Uh, by far but the later into the season it got and the more high leverage like ninth inning opportunities he got he didn't really do very well in those situations so i don't know if that's just like a like a mental thing a, a ninth inning thing for for uh apply if, if but uh he's he's definitely the most skilled reliever in that pen so he's if i'm like drafting in in, in these late in dcs like i'm, I'm still I'll, I'll take a chance on him um, McGuff closed a lot of games in Japan uh, last couple seasons, so uh, maybe he gets a good a, a look there. So uh, maybe those two are guys that I'm I'm gonna take a chance on. But yeah, it's truly like it, I, I don't want to waste too many roster spots in, on this situation because it's tr- truly up in the air. Yeah, I don't have I don't have any shares of anyone in this uh, bullpen <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chafin is interesting to me though, just because we were kind of rooting for him to land in a spot where he could get saves, and he has. So at least there's opportunity there. Melanson does feel like the favorite to start just because of opportunity or because of a uh, history, I should say. We'll see though. You're right. It's gonna be one of those things where you're gonna have to react early in the season and hope they're not fooling us. Because watch, it's gonna be like the first week. He's gonna, we're gonna get one save opportunity. It's gonna be some someone that no one has rostered. Fab is gonna be blown on that guy, and then next thing you know that guy's not gonna get a save opportunity for like two more weeks. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a fun little uh, carousel, <laughs> closer carousel over there. Enjoy that. Enjoy. See, that's when that's when someone like you you get to enjoy that coverage of like I don't know what to do here. 
uh, uh, Jewett's another great guy for this type of stuff. You know, really, really recon. That's their whole thing. So if you want something else to check out, that's worth mentioning. Not saying that you're not good at what you do, George. Don't get me wrong, but there's a whole, <laughs> literally the whole, their whole thing is relievers. So oh, I, would yeah. hate, I would hate to not, you know, give them credit where credit's due. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last piece of news, which more so just a let's watch and see. Nick Pavetta, which we know it's a roller coaster of emotions and production when it comes to Pavetta. Uh, he's, he isn't at full strength physically after dealing with an illness. So we'll see where that leads. Maybe he's a little delayed to uh, breaking camp and maybe it opens up opportunity for someone else. But um, it's too early to say. I just wanted to bring that up. Someone who drafts Pavetta just for innings in the reserve rounds. I've done it a couple times. So he's a guy that, you know, maybe I step away from until we hear more about this. So let's get into our guys. Uh, we have about five or six each, depending on how much we get to. Um, I'm going to start with two names and kind of putting them together, but for, for different reasons. Both of them are, are uh, first off, before we jump, actually, you know what? Scratch that. We have to talk a little bit of strategy. Post 500, if you, cha- if you uh, change anything in terms of like what I'm saying here, please speak up, George. If not, we can just kind yeah. of breeze through it. But post 500 players, I'm trying to mix a little bit of upside, but mostly targeting playing time or passive playing time. So if I'm tar- so guys, I'm about to speak about. I want guys that are either on the back end of rotations or or have a chance of breaking camp in a rotation spot for innings. You know, you want innings, you want plate appearances. So I'm trying to target guys that have clearer paths to playing time, players that have playing time and just aren't being drafted because they're not great. Um, guys like Kyle Freeland, which he's not on this list, but he's been a guy that I've fallen back on as like in like one of the very last rounds feels like just because he's gonna probably get innings. So stuff like that. I'm targeting playing time here. It's the biggest thing. And when it comes to prospect strategy, no more than like two to three if I can limit it. Maybe maybe four or five if I'm really feeling you know like really strong about a player breaking camp or getting an early look. But it has to be a guy. It has to be a guy on a forty man. Has to be a guy that played all of last year in the upper minors and preferably got a cup of coffee as well. And looking for guys with clear paths to playing time via injury or via just underperformance of the guys ahead of them, guys ahead of them, maybe old guys that aren't doing old vets that aren't great anymore. And, or I don't know, just guys that are like replacement value as well. So that's kind of where I go when it comes to strategy and prospects in the late rounds. Do you have anything else to add to that? Nope. That's pretty much spot on. I, I kind of learned my lesson last year <laughs> taking too many zeros when I uh, had injuries throughout my lineup and, my reserves, I, I had like, you know, three or four prospects that weren't even up in the majors at the point. So yeah, I'm with you, Reds. You're just, you're looking for, for past the playing time. Um, this is where you're looking for your uh, speculative save picks, um, stuff like that. So yeah, you, you pretty much nailed it. Sweet. I'm glad I could do that for us. Now, uh, moving on to the guys here. I have Ryan, how do you say his last name? <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Pepio. <laughs> Pepio, yeah, it's it's I don't like mis mispronouncing names. So Ryan Pepio and Paul Blackburn, I'm grouping together because they're close enough in ADP. Pepio going ahead of him, which he should. I like Pepio more as well. Pepio is an upside play because we saw him flash the strikeout stuff last year. He had a uh, he had a 26.3 percent strikeout rate at the major league level, coming off of a 21.1 percent K minus walk rate and a 30.9 percent strikeout rate at AAA last year. The issues for him strictly are the walks. We saw him spike the walk rate to a 16.9% in, 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 at the MLB level. And we've seen walk issues kind of linger in the past. The strikeout stuff has never been an issue. So if we can, so we're talking about a guy, we've already talked about Clayton Kershaw dealing with complications. We don't know how that's going to go or how that's going to end. They have Noah Syndergaard who also deals with injuries. And they also have, I think, uh, let's see, they have Dustin May who hasn't been able to stay healthy in his career or and coming off an injury, you know, season last year where, you know, he, 
came off injury, whatever, et cetera. So he might be limited in innings as well. There's a lot of paths to innings here for Pepio, and that's why I really like him. Not to mention he has the strikeout ability. I like pairing stuff potential with playing time potential, and Pepio checks those boxes. If he can somehow just fix the walks, we're talking about a guy who can be way, way like a huge path to uh, get a gaining value. But because you can't bank on the t- that type of growth, you can't just assume it's going to happen. That's why the price is where it's at. But I think there's a clearer path to relevant innings here than most people might realize. Also coming off of a season where he pitched over 130 innings. So the ending, there won't be an inning limitation for him, and he can easily fill in as the sixth starter if they want to go six-man rotation at one point or if anybody's delayed. or if, You know what I mean? There's always paths to playing time for a t- team like the Dodgers. And Blackburn is the opposite. Solid, safe, boring innings eater, good ballpark, we saw we know he overperformed in the first half last year, but an injury kind of derailed Blackburn's uh, season as a whole. But ultimately, a guy that could pitch to low four ZRA type of thing and get you 150 plus innings, which has value in these formats. So for two different reasons, but similar but different type of thing, I really like Blackburn and Pepio just because of a, one has op- upside with no clear path. The other one lacks the upside but has a clear path to innings and could just be a guy that you stream for two starts good matchups and a great home park so there's that too so those are my first two i'm kind of putting them together as ones i cheated here (laughs) uh george what about you where do you want to start uh so i'm gonna start like right at at 500 um with uh christian arroyo um seems like uh, as as things stand right now um there was a a recent quote from uh, alex cora saying that uh arroyo uh Arroyo was their second baseman as of now. So he's, he is going to be starting there. Uh, and for, for me, I, I think, you know, going this late, you're, you're looking for playing time and uh, he's got a pretty safe hit tool. Uh, you know, it's had a 16% strikeout rate last year, hit 286 over uh, 300 plate appearances, uh, chipped in some speed, five steals and a little bit of pop with six, six homers. So if you're just looking for, yeah, it's, uh, just a, maybe a fourth, you know, in uh, fourth or fifth, middle infielder at, at this point around pick 500 uh someone that maybe you could put plug in and will play a, a few games a week and and uh pr- provide some some help in batting average so yeah i, I like a royal here uh, if you're looking for middle infield depth and then i guess i'll go ahead and go on to like my second guy sure um, i talked about two you can too <laughs> yeah so my second guy is uh graham ashcraft going at 509 he's pretty much uh you know locked in to be the third starter uh, for the Reds there behind uh, Nick Lodolo and uh, Hunter Green. And Ashcraft, he's got a few, like, some really interesting skills. And really, at, at this point, that's what you're looking for. Um, you're looking for opportunity and, um, and you know, some, some good skills. And I think he has the potential to maybe take another step here. Last year, uh, over 105 innings, he did have a 4.89 ERA uh, with a 4.09 XFIP. What he does do well is he keeps the ball on the ground, 54.5% ground ball rate, doesn't walk anybody, 6.5% walk rate. So he's got two good skills right there. The only thing is the lack of strikeouts. And then if he can get a, a few more whiffs, I mean, he did have a, uh, he, I did see recent news that he is actually working on uh, his slider. He's working on, on he's t- tinkering with his slider. And if, if he can get more whiffs to right-handers against right-handers with that slider, uh, I think we he, we could definitely see Ashcraft take another step here because he already throws hard. I mean, he throws 97 miles an hour, so that's another another tool in his box right there. You got 90 uh, high 90s fastball, you got low walk rate, you got a good ground ball rate. If you can just get a few more whiffs, I think we could see Ashcraft Ashcraft uh, t- take another step here 
and um, provide some decent value, at least as like a streamer that you can plug in like away from away from that ballpark. But I mean, even even in Cincinnati, I mean, he might not be hurt, might not be hurt as much with uh, such a high ground ball rate. Yeah, um, I just I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm afraid of pitchers in that ballpark. Although I'm out I'm not out on Lodolo, so. Uh... But you mentioned the slider. Uh, we'll see how that, you know, we can't, again, it's one of those things where you have to hope for the best, but you can't, at least you know there's a safe, safe-ish floor there, so to speak, you know what I mean? But anyway, uh, my next guy, I, I I keep putting names, I'm tossing and turning. I'm going to go with Jordan Diaz from the uh, from the athletics. And it's as simple as there's going to be a path to playing time sooner than later there. We've seen uh, Tony Kemp. I don't understand why they would keep Kemp ahead of him long-term. Diaz is on the uh, 40 man and has played multiple zip positions. So he can kind of slot as needed in the big leagues he's played first base. He's played second base. I think his recent last year both um, was uh, actually, I was looking at the wrong player when I looked at their defensive where they played last year, but um, you had him play one game at first base last year for Oakland at the major league level. And then three in the minors, he played second base at both levels last year. He played DH at both levels last year and that's it. So first base, second base, Seth Brown and Tony Kemp. Seth Brown is definitely going to be safe there, but I think both get traded. I guess that's my long-winded way of saying both are going to get traded, and I probably should have said that first. Both are going to end up not being there sooner than later, probably by midseason, so you might have to wait a little bit for Diaz, but I think Diaz has a clear path, all things considered, because if nothing else, uh, he, he should get. they should trade from. They should trade those players away, but still, Diaz made it all the way up to the Major League level last year. That's part of my bo- – the boxes I check for players when I'm looking at prospects. He has nothing left to improve in the Myers. Hit 19 home runs in both in between two stops last year. Power is not his calling card. The ISO is barely above average, you know, 187, 196 at those two levels. But he hit at least 319 in both levels. Great on base ability each of those two levels because of how good he was at hitting. He doesn't walk a lot, 5% roughly. But the uh, the slug was above 500. So it's like I know there's potential for some pop there. So he's not a zero, but he's not great. He hasn't posted a WRC plus under 100 since the 2017 rookie ball so there's just a solid skill set there not to mention the strikeouts he hasn't struck out under 16 percent ever at any stop even when it, even for his cup of coffee last year jordan diaz struck out under 15 percent of the time 13.7 percent be specific so you know with diaz you're getting a good hit tool you're getting good plate discipline and a guy who can hit for solid average and he's not a zero for power not going to run much kind of a boring player but Again, we're targeting plate appearances, and we're talking. We're targeting a player that could be making a difference in terms of plate appearances on even on a bad team. Just be a difference maker in terms of playing time, and that can help you. He's a plug and play type in the late rounds, and Diaz offers a little bit of power upside, not much, but at least batting average help. And if he's playing, and with the A's, if you're getting playing time and you can hit for a good batting average, at least you're going to get something to help you there. And again, we're talking about guys there. If you're banking on these guys at all in drafts in general, you're hoping for either a breakout or you're hoping for a guy who can plug and play for injuries. And Diaz is more of that plug and play type for injuries. And uh, it's the A's. Why, I'm, I'm emphasizing it's the A's because if there's not a clearer path to playing time, there's not many teams that offer a clearer path to playing time in, in over a season than the A's. So, yeah, Jordan Diaz is a guy that solid, safe, boring, but a guy that I like where he's going. Yeah. You can go next. Cool. We can go yeah, back so to my, uh... now, instead of going two and two. <laughs> All right, yeah, my, my next guy I got here, uh, Tyler Wells. And, um, you know, s- similar to Ashcraft, I think, you know, he's going to uh, get an opportunity and uh, ha- has some skills that, that you look at and you can see, like, you know, there, there may be another path to to uh, kind of unlock another level here. And, and with, with Tyler Wells, um, it's, it's the, uh, the walk rate, 6.6% walk rate. So uh, 
good good walk rate and and at least with these guys you know with the low walk rates and stuff like you could probably count on a decent whip with tyler wells had a 1.14 whip last year um and so you, you like like to see that and then he did have an 11.3 percent swinging strike rate so you can you could see where there's uh more potential for for strikeouts there because he his strikeout rate came in at only 18 percent. so the stuff is there for for uh more strikeouts and so if he can take a jump to like 20 21 22 percent um strikeout rate with a good walk rate i think we're going to see uh, someone who can at least provide a decent whip and uh, maybe be a decent streamer uh for you that here in the in the 500 so yeah i like uh, i like tyler wells yeah uh i've nothing to say about tyler wells i was too busy trying to find my notes on the next guy on my list but for some reason <laughs> i lost my notes on him but jake alou so we're gonna do this on a fly because i can do this but uh, jake alou of the nationals now they have signed what candelario dom smith a whole bunch of guys that have been less than spectacular necessarily like not really the greatest in general and jake Lewis is still a guy i think will be able to crack at least the opening day roster in terms of maybe a bench spot but if not an early season call it because what does he have left to prove he's 25 years old he's almost 26 he played second base third base and left field last year so he has a potential to move around the infield or it could be a utility type for this team Alou posted a combined 20 home runs and 15 stolen bases. And I'm a sucker for good plate discipline. And Alou has that sub 20% strikeout rate, actually 18.2% to be exact at each level last year while, while walking with what would be close to a league average amount, 9.8% and 7.9% um, respectively at both at the, each level last year. So there's a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, and he's rather successful on the base pass only caught stealing three times out of, out of 18 attempts. So 15 for 18, not bad. He hit at least 281 at both stops, at least the OBP of 360 at both stops. ISO actually improved at AAA for Jake Alou from 189 to 230, both above average, 230 being really, really solid. They were close of 125 and 140. And again, maybe because he was a little older, maybe he was one of the older guys there. Maybe that's what led to success. But again, going to be 26 by the time the season starts, basically. I don't think there's going to be much, if anything, that holds him back. I, a strong spring should vault him into the starting lineup, especially with how, with how we've seen them treat guys like Victor Robles, who is plugged in as a starter right now. Manessas is no guarantee to hold. We're talking about a guy who's going to be 31 and a late career breakout, if that's actually legit. Is Corey Dickerson really going to be enough to hold him back? They have Again, they gain nothing, and there shouldn't be any manipulation there because he's already going to be 26. Alou could be a guy that starts right away if not early on in the season uh, early season call up and i think Alou can have a good amount of run and again it goes back to the fact that he can play third base with which we've seen candelario struggle at, at least as early as last year and he's only on one year deal so they're probably looking again they're looking i know at the very least we're getting a mid-season call up here for Alou, considering that they're probably gonna be looking to trade a lot of these guys that they signed but ultimately it's the path to playing time for me and the what looks like a safe sound approach and a little bit of growth in the profile that we saw last year that has me buying in and at this price, it makes no sense. Why not? He's going 681 over the last month in DCs. And he's a guy that I have, I'm heavily invested in early on and a guy that I want pretty much as much as I can <laughs> moving forward for, uh, for Jake Alou. So, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, that's you've been on life. that Jake Alou train uh, like basically since these drafts opened up. <laughs> well, yeah. So, well, because. Uh, I mean, uh, a lot of it was uh, before all these signings happened. I was, you know, I was just watching what team, who teams made a point to keep on their forty man to avoid the the, the, the rule five, rule five, and Alou was kept by the Nats. So yeah, I just just by monitoring that, of course, I opened up his Fangraphs page and saw, oh, he's not a nobody. Like he did something, and you know, there's Carter Keboom there. I know he's, but Keboom hasn't been able to materialize into nothing. So I'm like, whatever. But Lou plays, like I said, he played three positions last year. 
this team isn't good. It's I've been on a loose since like November. So and his price has gone up. He was like a last round pick in these drafts, and he's still going very deep. We're talking six eighty one. So it's not like he's not a value still. I just think it's funny because um I think what pushed him up was because when people were doing early drafts, they saw Jake Lou was plugged in as a starter for the Nationals, which he was because they didn't have Stone Garrett, they didn't have Dom Smith, they didn't have Candelario, they didn't have Dickerson. These weren't these guys weren't on the team. So by just by virtue of not having anybody else, Alou kind of fell into place. But I still don't see why Alou – there's nothing left for him to prove in the minors. Um, I could see – so if he gets put there and has or has a bad spring and that's why he gets put there, maybe I'll cool all, cool on the whole Jake Alou train. But I have – I'm, I'm committed. I'm pot committed at this point. <laughs> I just can't. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I have a few shares myself. So, yeah, yeah, you, uh, you kind of – you're welcome. You can, uh, or or don't blame me. It wasn't me. Like one of the two. Either you're welcome <laughs> or don't blame me. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah. So I'm gonna go go ahead and go on to my next guy. And this guy I, is a prospect I don't mind uh, taking. I have a few shares already at this point. That's Yainer Diaz, uh, catcher prospect for the Astros. It, we've already kind of heard that you know he's going to be in competition there for the number two uh, number two catcher job behind uh, Martin Maldonado. And I, I mean, I, I think there's a, you know, pretty solid opportunity there for, for, uh, for Diaz. I mean, he absolutely crushed in the minors last year with uh, 25 homers, uh, really good hit tool, a 15% strikeout rate in double A. This was his first action in double A uh, as a 23 year old catcher, only 15% strikeout rate over 267 plate appearances, then moves on to triple A. And over 219 plate appearances has a 17.8% strikeout rate. Um, did come up for uh, nine plate appearances uh, with the Astros. So he's he's already made his his debut. Um, only nine plate appearances, but uh, yeah, I think I think there's a really solid opportunity here. And even as if he's a part-time catcher in, in that lineup uh, with his offensive profile, I mean, I, I think uh, right now he's utility only. So it might take a little bit for him to gain that catcher eligibility, but. If you have him as a solid, you know, third, fourth uh, catcher in, in in a drafting hold, and you can plug him in, you know, a month into the season, um, I, I think uh, I think there's pretty solid upside there. Um, he, all of his projections have him for at least a 250 average. Most of them have him for about a 254 to 260 average um, with uh, with a few homers over just you know about 100 plate appearances. But I, I think there's definitely definitely opportunity for more there so um yeah i'm taking a chance here on on yaner diaz um in, in this range yeah i wish i had more of him just because i found myself especially early drafts i didn't draft enough catcher definitely for like i need guys like i need guys that can possibly catch for me come i don't know may because i picked terrible catchers in some early drafts or i picked like guys like francisco alvarez where i really thought would break camp and then the more we got info, the more signings they made, trades they made. I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. And now they're now it's been guaranteed. Like there's a uh, actual reports of it. So yeah, I'm I'm upset that I went that route earlier in drafts, and then like and that versus taking shots in the reserve rounds. Like my next guy, playing time cleared up for him, and there's a, and um there's actually Depoto noted that Cade Marlowe could more pr- prominently figure into the mix. Was what I'm reading from the tweet here from. Mariners coverage for MLB, Daniel Kramer on Twitter, D Kramer underscore on Twitter. Uh, Cade Marlowe's a guy that popped into my, you know, my own, like I just happened to find him while I was doing some research. I'm not a Mariners guy. I found a great article about him from Lookout Landing. They do great coverage over there um, in general 
for the Mariners, but Cade Marlowe is a guy that caught my attention between double A AA and triple A, 23 home runs, 43, 42 stolen bases, so for, and 42 for 52. 10 stolen bases, 10 caught ceiling is a lot, sounds like a lot, but when you steal 42, I'll take it. Um, but we're talking about a guy that at each stop posted double digit walk rates and at least a 350 OBP, a 192 ISO, and a 363 WOBA at both stops last year. Uh, K rate spiked sm- in a small sample in triple A, but again, it could be due to, I would say it's likely due to, to the patient approach. The dude just walks a ton and he limits ground balls. And the fact that he's already being talked about amongst uh, players that will factor with Trammell being out with a handmate injury, that shows me that there's a good chance he breaks camp. So he goes from being a guy that uh, he's pretty much, he's going undrafted in some leagues still. He goes, so he's going from a guy that there's a guy that's going pretty much undrafted in leagues to a guy that could be factoring in. And he's a lefty. So he's not going to platoon with Kelnick. That's what scares me about Kelnick. Like, as much as I like Kelnick's upside going in the reserve rounds in shallower leagues, if Marlowe outproduces him early on, could Marlowe jump him? We've seen Kelnick get ups and down and bench moved around. Regardless, I think I think Marlowe could factor into DH uh, uh, spots. He'll be a fourth outfielder type. There's upside there, and you're getting this guy for free in drafts. And people throw the around word free. Cade Marlowe is legitimately free, okay? So when I don't want to hear, like, oh, people throw around the word free. They do. That's why I don't. I don't say, oh, he's free. But Marlowe is, and I ref- and I won't, and that's an argument I will take to the grave or at least to the draft room because I don't want to die over this position. But I'm actually trying to find his. Ac- I'm pulling up his actual uh, ADP since January 1st, and he's not he's not even popping up on draft champions ADP. Since <laughs> like I, I went to do the control, I did the control F, and he's not popping up. So maybe yeah, I- that, mean, that means he wasn't drafted. He hasn't been drafted once. There's no way. Wow. Yeah, I, I had no idea who that who that was. So. Well, he hasn't been drafted once, so if anybody drafts him and uh, hears this podcast, you're welcome. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But, yeah, he's a guy that I thought he was getting drafted sometimes. I I swear I looked him up. I guess I just assumed he was maybe because I'm like, he's not like – it's not like I'm the only person that knows about him. And he's been been talked about, but it's one of those things where I had no – I just – I do all this 40-man mining, the 40-man, so to speak, and um, I find these players like this and that catch my attention that have the flashy skill sets that become like those final five round types and Cade Marlowe popped. And now the Taylor Trammell Hame injury adds a further, ha- adds a clearer path. Plus the Poto, if the Poto actually said what he said, according to that tweet, what's not to like there path to playing time and literally a 50 round, 50th round pick. Apparently he's not even being drafted. I wonder if he's in the player pool. <laughs> Honestly, if he wasn't, <laughs> we'd be surprised. He's one of those guys you might have to have added, but uh, yeah, yeah, just interesting, just interesting name. All right, that's it. And that's, I think that's my, that's my last guy. So I think you have two more. You can knock those guys out, and we're done. Yeah, the, um, my, my next guy, Will Benson. Will Benson, who uh, just got traded over from the Guardians to the Reds um, just about a little over like a week and a half ago. Um, I do like the opportunity there. You definitely like the new ballpark that he's in. Uh, lefty, you know, e- even if it's like maybe a strong side platoon. Uh, Benson, who's always had, you know, really good, kind of really, you know, toolsy skills, some power speed. He's always kind of flashed that, but it, his ability to make contact has just been really keeping him down um, consistently, you know, strikeout rates at 30% in the minors. But last year, cut that strikeout rate down to 22%. Um, and he's, he's always posted really good walk rates. Last year, 18.7% walk rate, 22% strikeout rate. So you love that ratio. Uh, 17 homers, 16 steals. So, yeah, again, good power-speed combo. Um, I I think the opportunity is going to be there. Even over – he had 61 plate appearances with uh, Cleveland last year. But you just look at the walk and strikeout rates on the surface over those 61 plate appearances, 4.9% walk rate, 31% strikeout rate. But you look look under the, the surface there. 
only a 27% chase rate and league average contact rate, 84% uh, zone contact rate, only a 12.2% swinging strike rate. Uh, so those are right around league average. I, I think there's sneaky potential here for, for with Will Benson. Um, and again, you love that ballpark. Uh, and right now the Reds, you know, they've got Nick Senzel in center field, Jake Fraley in right field, a couple guys who have proven, you know, they cannot really stay healthy. Um, Joey Votto's penciled in at DH, who knows when and if he's going to be ready. So I do think an opportunity is going to arise here for, for Will Benson. And I'm really intrigued to see what he can do in that ballpark. If he can sustain at least even league average contact, I I think he's going to play up in that ballpark and um, yeah, but a pretty good uh, upside there with some power and speed. We both had Benson on our list in different areas. So I let you have them. I'm not going to, so I'm with you on the Benson train, just betting on tools and betting on playing time on that team come mid season plus or, or earlier, depending, because they, they seem pretty, you know, the Reds are pretty crowded in the outfield. There's one thing they are crowded in is the outfield, but they like to the platoon. So that could play in his favor too. Maybe he ends up in a platoon earlier on and then maybe gains Benson will gain some more regular playing time later on. But I do like that. I just like the tools in the ballpark and I feel like that's worth and the path to playing playing time. Those three things kind of help him help Benson play up and reason why you should uh, reason to target him. But you do have one more name here. And so do I, I added one more name while you were talking. So you go ahead with your name and I got my guy. I'll, I'll, I'll finish off on my guy. Yeah. Another guy that, that uh, I like taking a, a, a picture here. Um, Yanni Chirinos. He's kind of been a, a forgotten man. There was, there was some hype around um, Yanni Chirinos back in like 2018, 2019. Um, but uh, he underwent Tommy John surgery last year, came back, uh, only pitched seven innings, but did not give up a run over those seven innings. Um, and I think he's going to be the next guy up after um, what the Rays have in their rotation right now. And and it looks like, you know, the, the Rays might look a little more traditional than we've seen. Uh, they got McClanahan, Glasnow, Rasmussen, uh, Eflin and Springs. So they do, I mean, you know, there, there's, there's some offseason concerns about McClanahan. Um, Gloss now, obviously, like he's hasn't proven to be able to pitch a full season. Uh, Rasmussen, um, uh, Rasmussen's probably, he's my favorite there as far as like his draft costs. But, uh, you know, he's, he's even a little questionable. Uh, Zach Eflin had the, the knee issues. So uh, I do think that, you know, there's a possibility between all of these guys here, Jeffrey Springs, he's probably going to have his innings limited as well. Um, I, I think Chirinos could, is going to be that next guy. And I think he could provide something like what he did in 2019, uh, where he appeared in 26 games, started 18, uh, but tossed 133 innings with a 3.85 ERA. Um, another guy who does not walk anyone. So he's going to, he's going to provide a good whip. Um, and so if, if, the, if you're looking for just innings, uh, maybe a, a ratio stabilizer here, he's not going to get too many strikeouts. But um, I think Chirinos here uh, going this late. I think where, where was his ADP at? Um, yeah, six eleven. Yeah, six hundred eleven over the last month. Yanni Chirinos. Um, so I, I think he's could provide some some good decent innings um, to help protect some ratios. Yeah, Chirinos. Yeah, I get it. I mean, if if I'm over here talking about Paul Blackburn, I feel like they're equally boring. So that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, who am I to talk? Right? I can't talk. I can't sit there and badmouth uh, good old. Good old, uh, uh, I can't even say his name, <laughs> Trinos. Um, but the last guy I'm going to talk about here is uh, Blaze Alexander. 
after talking about how I don't like going too prospect heavy, I'm talking about my third straight prospect, arguably my fourth because Diaz. Uh, so I do have a thing for prospects, but guys that are so on the brink and have a clear path of playing time that I, I don't like to get them all, but I do like to try and mix them up. In which one. Alou is pretty much the only guy I make sure I get on every draft just because I'm at this again. I'm so pot committed and he's been a guy that I really been targeting since day one. But uh, Blaze Alexander, 19 home runs and 10 stolen bases between double and triple A last year, often posting double digit walk rates. So the speed can play up, especially if you can get on base. Uh, decent K rates around 23%. So maybe that translates into closer to 25, 26, which could hurt him a little bit and hinder his potential for, you know, batting average help. But all things considered, look at who's ahead of him on this team. Nick Ahmed, who can't stay healthy, although he's known for his defense, maybe Ahmed lost a step and injuries always plague him. And then Perdomo, really? We're not doing this. So I look at it like there's a clear path to playing time in 2023 for Blaze Alexander. And again, he's on the 40 man and posted at least a 135 WRC plus at both stops last year. Just further reminding everyone that he has little to prove and the play- the players ahead of him aren't necessarily good enough to stop him from breaking camp if as long as the defense can play up, which I, I think I was reading the other day that his defense is actually something that's decent. So if he has the defense and he flashes in spring training, I don't see why Blaze Alexander can't break camp as a starting shortstop for this team, unless they really, for some reason, continue to love Nick Ahmed, which they have. The the backs have loved Nick Ahmed for a while now, so maybe they're still in on that, but I don't see Ahmed being reason enough to hold back a guy who could benefit them for earlier than later. So Blaze Alexander is the last guy on my list today. And we have a whole bunch of more names written down. We could do a part two, I guess. Um, but that's gonna <laughs> yeah. do it. I can. Uh, I was just gonna. Say, I could. I could throw out some uh, some save specs. Oh yeah, I forgot. You know what? There was that was the last thing we were supposed to talk about. So go ahead, go throw, go ahead, uh, throw go ahead, uh, blah 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 blah. Throw out some slave save <laughs> specs. Whoa. Yeah. So Whew. starting right around uh, five hundred, um, you got uh, Eric Swanson. Eric Swanson, who came over from uh, to the Blue Jays from the Mariners. Uh, really, really lights out last year 1.68 era over 53 and two-thirds innings uh with 70 strikeouts so uh 34 percent strikeout rate to just a 4.9 percent walk rate just absolutely elite numbers um and he's going to be right behind jordan romano so he's going to be the next guy up um should should something should jordan romano be um unavailable and uh, i know romano was healthy last year but he has his uh his kind of his uh history with some injury issues so wouldn't wouldn't uh wouldn't necessarily think that like he's completely safe but yeah swanson is that next guy up there um and then matt bush matt bush uh with milwaukee uh looks like he's going to be the next guy up there uh also had a really good season uh 3.47 era over 59 two-thirds innings last year 74 strikeouts um and then uh robert stevenson i actually you could probably get him in like your last last pick in in these drafts but uh stevenson he's the only pitcher outside of david bednar in pittsburgh that's projected for an era under four and at least a nine k per nine so um we saw stevenson kind of had some hype with the reds uh was consistently posting uh ridiculous swinging strike rates above 18 percent swinging strike rates like with the reds then he went over to colorado where um his pitches just didn't play as well because of the the environment there. Um, we see just movements changing um, there in, in cores. So uh, once he got picked up by the Pirates last year, we saw those swinging strike right swinging strike rates return um, over his last like 13 innings. Uh, we saw that swinging strike rate return right back up to 18. percent So he had he had a, a 36 percent strikeout rate over uh, those last um, those last 13 innings with the the Pirates. So 
I like Robert Stevenson there, just in, you know, in case uh, you know the back issues uh, come back for for David Bednar, or if he's traded. Um, so I like Stevenson, and then another guy who I think, I mean, just depending on his landing spot, still free agent out there, can just absolutely shoot up the the uh, the ADP here. Um, Will Smith is still out there. Uh, we saw him, you know, struggle in the first half last year with the the Braves. Then he goes over to the Astros where he kind of ditches his curveball and um, just kind of goes uh, fastball slider approach and uh, was really good down the stretch with the with the Astros. Um, saw him kind of get fixed fixed over there. And, and I mean, he has he has a track record, you know, it saved um, 37 games for the Braves last year, uh, 34 for the Giants uh, back in 2019. Uh, so I think Will Smith, if he lands on a team that kind of has a questionable um, closer situation, I, I think he's definitely one that's just that we're going to see probably just shoot up the draft boards. Like uh, th- this is a guy where like you know the if the Tigers were to sign, it'd be like oh man, uh, all those Alex Lang shares, right? Um, so, so like situations like that. All right, that's a great way to end it because uh, I'm not the save guru you are. I need to actually re- listen back, take all the notes myself. Um, I hate saves. All my all my specs have burned out. So this year, let's just go. I'm going to go ahead and do a little pity party real quick on the way out. This year, I've been in on David Robertson before he got signed because I figured Robertson was going to – he was like right around the reserve rounds when they began, around pick 300, 400, 300. And I, I was like, oh, it seemed like the Diamondbacks will take him and try to train him. So he'll have a half a year. And then, of course, we know he signed to the Mets. But at least the thinking was we saw what he did last year, and we I figured there's a lot of teams that have needs – did not see the Mets going after him as depth. I figured he would end up as a closer somewhere. I was wrong. Cool. Alex Lang, I was in on. Didn't get enough shares before, you know, all the trade happened. So I have like one or two shares. And um, at the cheap price now, he's priced out, obviously. And then I'm like, all right, cool. The Reds, they're not. They've never been consistent. I'll go get TJ Antone, who's coming back. I knew he was coming back from injury, but I figured he was healthy and all that. And he had a setback. I give up. I'm done. Um, <laughs> I'm done. I'm just, I'm done. Like, I'm just going to, that's why I'm going to target my saves early. Hope they don't get injured and move on, move on with my life. You know what I mean? Like I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm so sick of this game. <laughs> God, <laughs> specs are aggravating. I hit. And when I hit on Alex Lang, I didn't even get enough of them because I wasn't drafting enough in that range when I finally was in on them. So I made sure to get, get them in one draft at least. And then of course I, you know, I took some time off drafting to get more prep in. And then the trade happens. I was like, Oh, great. So like, you I mean you were texting about them before the trade. And we both liked them. And then the trade happened. We're like, well, there goes those early shares. <laughs> like, yeah. there goes there goes the discount we were getting. But yeah, it is what it is. It was cool to be right on one, but it sucks that I didn't get a chance to take advantage of it early enough. And that's the bittersweet part of early drafting. You know, injuries mm-hmm. are going to happen and teams are going to get burned. I have teams that are struggling to for, fill the full uh, roster already um, just because of signings and other things have changed. So it's like, but you have to understand, like, with that comes missing out. If you don't draft early, you miss out on the chances to get Alex Lang in the 500s. You miss out on chance of getting players like, you know what I mean? These difference-making players a lot later in drafts. So yeah. give and take, but there's probably more give. Uh, there's probably more t- uh, give than take. So I need to stop drafting early is what I'm getting at, or drafting as much early. But all right, now we can leave. Uh, appreciate everyone who checked it out. Five-star rating and review on your way out is greatly appreciated. The YouTube, the Patreon, Underdog. All GTE. So if you search GTE, use GTE, you'll get discounts, you'll get this, you'll get that. You can just find us doing that stuff. Terrible promotional way out, but I'm tired. So I appreciate you guys all for listening. And until next week, this is Mike. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin, George at Roto underscore Nino. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye.